listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. All right, I want to get into this uh, with you today. Um, <clears throat> I put it in the, in, the, in the title, is this heresy? Jesus taught this. Jesus taught this. This is, um, I know it's so controversial today, um, this subject, but I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 11, and uh, we're going to look at something that, obviously, if you're part of the Victory Tribe, you believe this way. They call us crazy for believing this way, but it's something that Jesus gave us uh, to do what he's called us to do. It's a tool. It's a supernatural tool. And so we're going to start in Mark chapter 11, and uh, I'm going to show you what Jesus taught, and then we'll go to other passages in scripture and look at those as well. Um, But it's very important, especially now, to understand how to use this principle in your Christian life and how it causes you to overcome on a constant basis. You know, one of the things that I, as you turn into Mark chapter 11, one of the things that I always encourage people to recognize and understand, you're a three-part being. You're a three-part being. You're not just a body, you have a mind, and you are a spirit. The real you is the spirit man. That's the eternal part of you, uh, your spirit. And then what people don't recognize a lot, and I've taught this for many years now, what people don't look at is the fact that your spirit and your flesh are always at war, always at war. That's found in Galatians chapter five and verse 17. The flesh is at war with the spirit, always. I mean, it doesn't matter how long you're saved, that's the case. And so um, what, what I've been trying to preach even this year especially, because it's our year of transformation, is that the mind, of course you've heard this for years now, the mind is a battlefield, but what does the Bible say we should do with it? It says that we've got to renew our minds. And we've been focusing on this verse of scripture throughout this year of transformation. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? That's Romans chapter 12 and verse two. Do not be conformed to this world or this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So one of the things that we've got to know is that wherever your mind lines up, that is going to be who wins the fight. If my mind lines up with my spirit and I renew my mind, then I'll do spiritual things that um, will be pleasing to God. If my mind lines up with my flesh and it's carnal in nature, then I'll do things that are displeasing to God. And so the mind is very important where we set our minds. And Paul encouraged us to set our minds on things above, right? And so um, if, you don't, if you don't know this by now, and I know you do, Jesus taught out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. 
And so it's going to be what you fill your heart mind with that comes out of your mouth. People speak the things that they've been meditating on. People speak the things that they've been thinking about, the things that fill their hearts and fill their minds. That's what they talk about. Words don't just randomly come out of you. You speak about, you, you, if, you, if you get around people, uh, maybe in a setting, maybe at a, a dinner or, or whatever, even coworkers, doesn't matter. Um, if you get around them and start talking long enough, they're gonna start to find points of interest with you, right? To start to find common ground. Hey, did you, do, you, do you like this uh, series or show? Or do you read books? Do you like this book? Do you like this author? Do you like sports? You know? And then what is it? They're trying to find the thing that they like that you may also like the same so that they can discuss it with you, right? And that's where the conversation goes. But they're talking about things they've been thinking about, meditating on. And that's how, the, that's how it works. You speak about what's in the abundance of your heart. People that love sports, they're always watching sports, they're thinking about sports. They can talk sports with you all day long because it's what they're focused on. It's what they're thinking about, right? It's the meditation of their heart. People that really enjoy uh, different series, whether it be books, shows, movies, whatever, they may be watching those things uh, and, and they'll start discussing with, did you see this series? If you've not seen it, you gotta watch, it's the best ever. And so what are they doing? They're speaking the things that fill their heart. The same ends up happening with people who are always focused on politics, focused on the news, right? They start telling, did you hear what the White House just released uh, two days ago? Oh man, did you see what's going on with this? Did you see the news on this? And people start to speak the things that are in their heart. They filled themselves with something and now it's coming out of their mouth. But when you fill yourself with the word of God, then whenever you're in any situation that may um, warrant, if you will, I'll tell you a funny story before I, before I get to that. Um, most of you would know, and by the way, again, as you're jumping on, share this today, most of you would know Dr. John Avanzini. He's been around for a while and a uh, wonderful man of God. But um, yeah, I thought this was a funny story um, because Dr. John Evanzini is a man who loves the Word of God. I mean, loves the Word of God. He's constantly studying it. He's constantly reading, meditating. Uh, there's been a few times that I've just gotten a call on my phone. I look down and it's Dr. John Evanzini. And um, as he calls, I'll answer thinking, what, what is, does he need something from me? It's like, it's unusual that he may be calling me. And I, I look down and it's his name and I answer. And he'll say, hey, hey, Teddy. And I, and I say, yes. He said, do you have something to write with? Yes. Well, what's he been doing? He's in the middle of meditating on something, studying. God's showing him things, revelation from the word. And uh, he'll say, you have something to write with? Yes. Okay. I want you to get this in your spirit. Write this down. The Lord's been showing this to me. And he'll just, there's no like, hi, how you doing? How you, how's your family been? He's been focused on the word. He's been meditating on the word. And so he'll, he'll say, hey, uh, write this down. And then he'll just launch in to something the Lord's been showing him in his spirit. And, and then I'll write it and, and keep writing it until he's getting to the end of his thought. And then he'll say, all right, did you get that? Did you get that down? Yeah, I got it. All right, goodbye. And then he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. Maddie, make sure you're scrolling those comments so I can see uh, what people are saying. Um, but it's funny to me. He's just been 
meditating on the word, right? And he's stirred up and he's wanting to share it, impart it. And so what does he do? He calls, give, the, give you the revelation, boom. And then he's, he's done. He's gone. And, and it, it makes me, made me laugh, but that's how he is. Well, somebody told me a story. He was traveling. And uh, I believe they were going overseas. And as they were going overseas, he had an assistant, like an associate with him. And um, it was, uh, you know, quite a trip when they got there. And, and our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, has, has uh, told us stories about this many times, that they may go overseas somewhere. And it's a long flight. And then uh, Bishop Rick will say, hey, Dr. John will say, hey, get your bags in your room and come see me in my room. I want to talk to you. And then he'll get up there to his hotel room. And Dr. John has his Bible and all of his books and notes and everything laid out on the table. And he even though they just got off a flight, he wants to sit down with you and talk the word for three, four hours because the Lord's just been showing him things. So one time he had this um, uh, like a young associate with him. And uh, so they got to the hotel and he said, hey, uh, I'm going to go drop my bags. I'm coming to see you. He comes downstairs, knocks on the associate's door and he opens it and he comes in and looks and the associate's just sitting there, you know, watching sports or something. You know, he's like watching a, a sporting event. And he said, oh, okay. And then he turned around, just left and went back up to his room. And they said that was the last time that that young man ever traveled with Dr. Evanzini because he wanted somebody that was going to be meditating on the word, focused on the word, speaking the word. And, uh, and so he, he puts a premium on that. What's in my spirit? What am I meditating on? What am I filling my heart with? Well, why, why is that so important when we're talking about the mind? Three-part being, why is that so important? And again, I'm giving you time to get to uh, Mark chapter 11. If you're not there now, I'm sorry, you'll never get there. Even with the contents page, it's going to, if it's taking this long, <laughs> it's going to, you're never going to get there. Um, but uh, why is this so important in regards to your mind, renewing the mind? Well, God spoke to Joshua when he took over for Moses as the leader of Israel. And what did he say in Joshua chapter one? Take this book of the law, right? Do not let it depart from your mouth. That's interesting to me. In fact, that's Joshua 1.8. And uh, you can put that in your notes, put it in the comments, Joshua 1.8. Take this book of the law and do not let it depart from your mouth, right? Not your mind, your mouth. Now, the mind's included, but isn't it interesting that God spoke to Joshua and said, don't let it depart from your mouth. That means that the things God's word says, we should be speaking them always speaking them. It's not going to depart from my mouth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Good morning, Liz. Morning, Fernando. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. So this word to Joshua, very interesting word. The Lord is saying, take this book of the law, speak it constantly, keep speaking it, keep confessing it. Let it be the focus of your words and then also meditate on it day and night. Let it be your meditation. 
And he said, when you do that, you will then be careful to do all that's written inside of it. And the result, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. You'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So notice this, uh, it was the word of God that had to fill his mind and his mouth. Amen. And in fact, that's the first thing I really want you to write in the comments today. God's word must fill my mind and my mouth. God's word must fill my mind and my mouth. Thank you, Jesus. God's word must fill my mind and my mouth. And I had you turn to Mark chapter 11 because I want to focus on this um, teaching that Christ gave his disciples. Um, and I want to start actually in uh, verse number 12, Mark chapter 11 and verse 12, the Bible says on the following day, when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not yet the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it, Jesus speaking to the tree. Yes, Lucy, I'll pray at the end. We're going to pray for everybody at the end of this uh, broadcast, so stick around. Then Jesus goes on to cleanse the temple. You remember that? He, he beats the money changers out of the temple, flips the tables. You remember that? Then, then again, he's leaving the town. And in verse 20, the Bible says, As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Good morning, Brother Ted. Verse 21, Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. We can't even believe it. Lord, your words actually came to pass. It's like, seriously, I can't, Lord, look at this. Can you believe it? The thing you said actually came to pass. Yes. And so verse 22, Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. But then he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there because I want you to get this in your spirit. Jesus could have said to his disciples, oh, of course, of course the tree withered. I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. Of course the tree is going to respond to my words. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't say, well, yes, of course, you know, I'm the anointed one. The tree's going to respond to me. He uses this as an object lesson to not only teach the disciples something, but to give them instructions about what they should do, right? Instructions about what they should do. And so let's look at what he says, verse 23. After he says, have faith in God, he says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. 
it will be done for him. Let me, let me just say this. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. So again, people try to make the argument, well, that was just for the, the 12 apostles. No, he says, I'm saying to you, whoever says it, not just the 12 apostles, whoever says, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Verse 24, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You see that whatever, if you've ever been with us on the Bible study made simple program, you'll know that one of the things that we do um, in Bible study is that we look for specific words um, in the text that make us look further for the answer. One of those words is therefore. And one of the things that I've told the students is that whenever you see a therefore in scripture, you need to find out what it's there for. And here, uh, that means what he says in verse 24 is based upon what he said in verse 23. Whatever Jesus is about to say in verse 24, it's based upon what he said in verse 23. What did he say? He said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, because of that, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So there is power in your words. You know, and that, that's what I'm touching on today. There is great power in your words and great power in your prayer. And you know, people will, will, you hear people talk about this today. They act like, you know, you're a cult if you somehow believe that you have power in your words. You know, they'll say that flat out. And all these, all these word faith Christians believe in that they, that's a cult. That's not even Christianity. You know, Jesus taught it. Jesus taught that you should believe that what you speak will come to pass. That's not made up. That's not even a new age principle. The new age stole it from Jesus. This is a scriptural biblical principle that Jesus Christ himself taught to his disciples. And he said, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you'll receive it and you shall have it or it'll be yours. Um, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. It'll be done for him. There's power. Put it in the comments. There's power in my words. There's power in my words. It's not, uh, some heretical, uh, fringe teaching. This is something Jesus taught. Where do you think anybody would get this? Where do you think anybody would get this? Jesus taught it. Do you think there's any way to look at the original hearers? the original readers of this and think, well, you know, I don't, I, Jesus didn't really mean that here, what he actually meant. No, there's no way to read this literally and think Jesus meant anything different than what he said. And then of course he goes on in verse 25 to talk about forgiveness. When you do stand praying, forgive. If you've uh, committed anything against anyone or they ha have anything against anyone so that your father who's in heaven may forgive your trespasses. So you see that. Jesus taught that there's power when you speak. He said, first, let me demonstrate it for you so you can see. So he speaks to that tree that did not bear fruit. 
and it withers and dies and the disciples notice it. And because they notice it, he uses it as an object lesson to show them. Not that I'm only the son of God, not that I'm only the Messiah. I'm the only one that does these things. No, he said, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, right? He's talking about anybody that puts this practice into action. There's power in your words. Well, this is not the only place in the Bible that talks about this. The Bible declares that um, if you go back to the um, book of Proverbs and you study it out, the Bible says the very same thing. And I know, of course, we're going back to a, a poetic book, but it's very interesting that the Bible teaches that um, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. There's death when you speak or there's life when you speak. There's no question about that. The Bible teaches that. Jesus said you can literally cause things to change How? By the words that you speak. You can cause things to change by the words that you speak. Did Jesus ever do that other than than at this tree? Of course he did. Of course he did. You know, in Matthew chapter 8, the the centurion comes to Jesus and um, he has a servant that's at home, sick with palsy. Now, the centurion, who's not even a Jewish person, he's Italian, He says to Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only. Hallelujah. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Amen. We have that uh, stamped all over stuff for Miracle Word Church. Speak the word only. Speak the word only because we believe in a miracle word. This word of God is miraculous. This Bible is supernatural. This is not just another religious text, another quote unquote holy book. This is breathed out of God's mouth. Every bit of it is breathed out of God's mouth. It's profitable. Hallelujah. It'll equip you. It'll correct you. It'll reprove you. It'll make sure that you're complete to do everything you need to do for God, what you've been called to do. No man just decided to write this. This came as men were carried along by the Holy Spirit and wrote what God wanted to be written. This word is powerful. Hallelujah. God has exalted his word above his name. Psalm 138 and verse 2. This Bible is unlike anything else on the earth. Anything else. It is so powerful. And Jesus is saying that, and as, as God told Joshua, you've got to fill your mind with it. You've got to fill your mouth with it. You fill your mind with God's word. You fill your mouth with God's word. Amen. And then as you speak and as you pray, according to what Christ said, you should believe according to what Jesus told his disciples, believe, don't doubt in your heart, believe that those things which you've said will come to pass and it shall be done. Glory to God. It shall be 
done for him. You, you look with me at um, Gospel of John chapter 16. And Jesus again gives us as Christians, because he's getting ready to go away to be with the Father. He's going to send us the Holy Spirit. And um, he says this. John 16, 23 and 24. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So fullness of joy comes as God answers your prayers and you ask the father in Jesus name. He gave us the authority and power of his name and it will be done for us. So notice that uh, caveat there in the, the gospel of Mark. He's got to speak and believe without doubting in his heart. You can't be double-minded. Here's the thing. That's why it's so important what comes out of your mouth. That you can't just say everything the world is saying. That you can't just line your words up with the carnal nature of man and the carnal world. Because see, it brings double-mindedness. And then you say one thing, then you kind of go back and forth on it. Well, you know, I don't know, but maybe, I mean, look at what's going on. And, you know, and then the Bible goes on to tell us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And that kind of a man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's James chapter one, verses six through eight. If you're taking notes, you're going to study this out. James chapter one, verses six through eight. You cannot be the one who is double-minded. It brings instability and a person like that should not receive or expect to receive anything from the Lord. So uh, I don't go back and forth on believing God's word, not believing God's word. I don't go back and forth on hoping it's going to come to pass, wondering if God's going to come through. No. His word said he will do it. He will do it. And I believe it. Amen. As the famous quote from Smith Wigglesworth goes, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. Amen. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's the end. That's the end of that. I don't care what's going on in the natural realm. I don't care what others are saying. I don't care what the government is doing. I don't care what's going on in the culture. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Hallelujah. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. You know, and the reason I say that, and I've, there, there, there's, there's something extra I want to add to that because, you know, people say, well, no, whether you believe it or not doesn't mean anything. If God said it, that settles it. Well, that is true in a sense. But as you know from scripture, God can say a thing or even want to do a thing and people don't believe it and it keeps it from coming to pass in their life. I'll give you an, an Old Testament example of that and a New Testa Testament example of that. The Old Testament example is found in 2 Kings chapter 7. And here we are that the people of God are being besieged and they're starving and there's no food coming in. 
People are eating their babies, the Bible says. That's how starved they are. And uh, the prophet Elisha says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be able to buy barley and flour in the city square for a very cheap price. Makes no sense. You're telling me this whole thing's going to turn around in 24 hours? Makes no sense. And so the captain of the guard on whose arm the king leaned said, if the Lord opened up the windows of heaven, could this thing really happen? That's doubt and unbelief. I mean, you're literally saying, if God opened heaven up, could this really actually take place? Yes, that's the whole point. It's supernatural. Elisha's a prophet. He's prophesying what God's about to do. And notice what Elisha said to that captain of the guard. He said, oh yeah, it'll happen. You'll see it with your own eyes, but you'll not be able to eat any of it. You'll see it, but you'll not be able to experience it. Why? Because of doubt and unbelief. So his doubt and unbelief did not stop God from moving. It just stopped God from moving for him. Come on. It didn't stop God from moving. It just stopped God from moving for him. Praise God. So now watch New Testament. Well, you know what happened to that captain of the guard. He was at the gate the next day after all the food was available. He opened the gate so people could come in and buy food and was trampled to death at the gate. Well, there it is. He saw it come to pass, could not enjoy it. Amen. So then you go to the New Testament and um, Jesus in Mark chapter six goes to his own hometown and he goes with the desire, the, the uh, intention of doing mighty works, signs and wonders there. But if you read the passage, it says, and he could not do any mighty works there except for laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. And he marveled at their unbelief, marveled. He was blown away at their level of unbelief. So he could not do what he wanted to do. Did he go there to only heal a few people? No. He wanted to do mighty signs and wonders there, but he could not. The Bible doesn't even say he wouldn't do it because of their unbelief. He said he couldn't. He wanted to and couldn't. However, there were a few people within that region that had faith in who he was. And he was able to locate them and touch them, right? Even though all the people around them were filled with unbelief and doubt. It didn't stop God from moving for the few who had faith. That's why I say... God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's how it's going to come to pass for me. I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, if he said it, I believe it. When I say I believe it, that ensures that when God moves, I get to be a part of what he's doing. I'll not be double-minded. I will not be double-minded. Knowing that that makes me unstable and not able to receive anything from the Lord. And so I will not be double-minded. And so as we're speaking these things, that's why, I, I, as I said at the beginning, you have to fill yourself with God's word. And I told you to put it in the comments. I got to fill my mind and my mouth. I got to fill my mind and my mouth. I'm not just meditating on it. I'm speaking it. I'm speaking it. I'm speaking God's word. Hallelujah. I'm declaring it. Doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do against me, tries to attack my physical body. Nope. The same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in me and is 
quickening, strengthening, making alive my physical body right now. In fact, if you're battling uh, in your body, if you're battling in your mind, just begin to speak it out. I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in me, and he is right now quickening my physical body. Hallelujah. He is quickening my physical body. He is quickening my physical body. He is quickening my physical body right now. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He makes his home in us. He dwells in us. That's what the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? This is what I'm talking about speaking God's word. We are right now saying what God's word says. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? He told that to the Corinthians, Paul. He said to the Romans, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Thank you, Jesus. Quickens your mortal body. And so there are multiple passages in the scripture, Christ, the apostles, where they understood you can speak the power of your words. You can speak and cast out demons. Bible teaches it. We do it. Amen. You can speak and cast demons out. You can speak and see people healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. We just had another lady. Just what was it? Um, now, two weeks ago, two weeks ago when we were in Colonial Beach, Virginia. And she wasn't in the church. She wasn't in the service, but she was watching like you are right now on the live stream. And I, I, as I often do, I had everybody turn and we prayed and spoke the word and released it to those that are watching online. And she said, healing. She said, I was at home in my bed and the devil was attacking my body. I had the service on my tablet. And she said, I reached out and touched the tablet with one hand and I lifted my hand with the other and you were praying and you guys were releasing the gift of faith and the power of God. And she said, it started to hit me. And she said, I fell asleep. She said, I woke up. My hand was still on the iPad. My other hand was still raised and the, her body was healed. She came back to the church to testify and, and tell everybody what God did. And it was not because someone laid hands on her. And it wasn't because somebody anointed her with oil. It's because you can speak the word. Hallelujah. Speak the word only and my servant shall be made whole. And God's still doing those same things today that he did 2,000 years ago. The apostles said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe and so we speak. So we speak. So one of the ways to activate your, your faith is by speaking, by what you say. I activate my faith by what I say. Why is that the case? Because as James wrote, faith without works is dead. I can't just say I have faith. If I have faith, it should produce something in me that causes me to take action. That's what James is teaching. My faith in God should cause me to take action in the natural realm. I'm going to do something because I have faith. And one of the first things you will do is speak what you believe out of your mouth. You will speak what you believe out of your mouth. I believe, therefore I speak. Just like the apostles. I believe, therefore I speak. Amen. 
I can remember when we first went into the ministry and Carolyn and I were believing God as we started traveling as evangelists and we went to set up our 501c3 and when we went to see the accountant, she said, now listen, we can fill out the paperwork and everything, we can submit it, but it has been taking a long time for people to get this approval back. I mean, it's been taking a long time. She said, um, really, I have clients that have been waiting almost two years to hear anything back from the IRS regarding their approval. She said, so I don't know, I can't give you a timeline. Well, here we are, we've started a, an evangelistic ministry. We're trying to build partnership. You know, we wanna see uh, um, God touching America, but obviously we wanna be able to uh, receipt those who give and, you know, all, all those things that uh, are entailed with a, with a nonprofit organization. And we wanted to get started. We didn't want to wait two years to get rolling, Carolyn and I. And so after we heard that report, I left the office. I said, no, no. And we said, no, it's not going to be our story in Jesus' name. And I think we submitted that paperwork um, either at the end of, I think it was the end of July. And uh, I said before, you know what? I don't want to get this story wrong because the one who is always on the money with details is my wife. So we're going to get Carolyn on the phone. Make sure she's... Hello? Hey, what's up? Are you on the broadcast? Yes, I'm on the broadcast. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you a question. I'm telling you... give me a heads up. I'm telling the, <laughs> I'm telling the story... <laughs> about how we began to speak by faith for the uh, 501c3. And we submitted the paperwork, what is like at the end of July, beginning of August? Uh, yeah, probably about that time or beginning of August. And our confession was by the end of? November. November, that we'll hold it in our hand. Because they told us it was gonna be like, they had, she had some clients that were up to two years, they hadn't heard anything back yet. Right. Okay, I didn't want to say the wrong months, and so I wanted to call you to make sure, and you kept me in line. And we got the letter November 14th. Hey, that was my punchline. You just ruined the whole story. Oh, sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and that was it. So Taking your glory. No, yeah. So that was it. So we had, we had submitted it by the end of July, beginning of August. And then we were going on the road for how long? We were going to be out for like six weeks or something? Yeah, we were gone. But you actually were just coming home from Jamaica. I had just picked you up and checked the mailbox when we got home. And it was in the mailbox. In the mail, and we got back. And, and what, what, when was it stamped? Uh, November fourteenth. November fourteenth. I, I have it in my phone. I can pull it up. Yeah. Okay, November fourteenth. November fourteenth. So my confession was, and I kept on saying, um, by the but before November comes to an end, then Carolyn would declare, before November comes to an end, we're going to have our testimony in our hand. Before November comes to an end. Now listen, we're talking about. Uh, you know, what, what are we talking about? August, September, October, November, four months. She told us there were people two years. Oh, I'm sorry. I just pulled it up. November 6th, November 2014. 6th, so we come out and here we are, uh, uh, getting this report that it's going to be, it could be up to two years. I have clients two years. They've not heard anything back. And, uh, and so we start declaring before November. Thanks babe. I love you. You're welcome. Love you. Love you all. Bye. And so, um, we, we start confessing, you know, now you, you say, well, could your faith have been greater? Yeah. Obviously my faith could have been greater because that, that was a, about a four month period. That's just where, that's where, just where I set my faith. 
and I begin to declare it. Before November comes to an end, we will hold our testimony in our hand. Before November comes to an end, we will have our approval papers in our hand. And I thought to myself, you know, and, and here's what's funny, is that the moment you start to speak faith like that, the devil tries to make you feel like an idiot. He tries to make you feel like a fool, where you're like, oh, what do you think you're gonna do? You're gonna just pray and you're gonna confess. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, an organization, they've got, applications. There's people that are processing, going through, you know, thousands of applications on desks and in filing cabinets. What do you think you're going to do? And, you know, it tries to make you feel like an idiot for confessing and believing and praying. But I did not let that. Every time the enemy tried to put those thoughts in my mind, I just start confessing it again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that by the time November comes to an end, I will have my approval in my hand in Jesus name. I'll have my approval in my hand in Jesus name. When we get home off the road in a meeting and go to the mailbox and there it is, <clears throat> we, it was almost halfway through November, but when we looked at the paper, they had stamped it approved on November the 4th. And so uh, supernaturally, I didn't even have to wait till the end of November, but as I had been declaring, as I had been confessing, before November comes to an end, we will have our paperwork in our hand in Jesus name. Now, what is that? That's just setting your faith and beginning to confess by faith. You know, if Jesus, you know, if Jesus could speak to the, the fig tree and command it to wither and die, command it to wither and die. What scripture was he standing on for that? It's not like he pulled out a scripture and began to stand on and say, as, as God, my father's word says, you know, in Deuteronomy chapter seven, you know, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He wasn't standing on a verse of scripture. He just commanded it. He commanded it and it came to pass. And what I'm saying is, uh, you know, you say, what scripture were you standing on? You know, to declare that you're, there's not scripture regarding tax paperwork and tax documents. You, know, you understand there's no verse of scripture that's dealing with the IRS but you believe there are things that are connected to your purpose that are things that are connected to your life. And you believe you're asking God, you're praying, you're praying, knowing that God is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you can ask or think. And so there are things that generally that you can stand on Lord. I thank you that your word declares, as I just quoted Ephesians three 20, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly and beyond. Uh, anything I can ask or think. And Lord, though they're giving me this timeline that's way out into the future, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to bring it back quickly into our hand. And so there are things that you're confessing and believing, knowing that God's able to do it. Amen. It's not just for healing. It, it, your words have power to create. Your prayers have power to perform. God answers your prayers. In fact, the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, right? And his ears are open to their prayers. So God, you don't ever have to wonder if God's hearing your prayers. He's hearing them. You don't ever have to wonder if God's hearing your words. He's hearing them. He's listening to what you say. He's listening to what you pray. He's listening to what you say. He's listening to what you pray. That's a God that's, his ears are open. You know, even in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter one, did you know the Bible says God was listening to those 
the righteous people who were speaking one with another. They weren't talking to him. They were speaking one with another. And the Bible says God was listening to them as they were speaking one with another. And then decided, I'm going to make a distinction between my righteous people and everybody else. God's listening to what you say. God's listening to what you pray all the time. Go with me to James chapter 5. Hallelujah. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So there's power in your confession. There's power in your prayer. As many of us have said, and I believe Charles Capps wrote the book years ago, there's a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. Can I show you something? This is truly, this is truly a, a wonderful miracle. But notice, here's a woman in Mark chapter 5 that it's not that she just had faith in Jesus, though she did have great faith in Jesus. But did you ever notice about the story of the woman with the issue of blood? Did you ever notice about her that she actually confessed how her miracle was going to come to pass? Did you ever notice that? She confessed how. Not just that she would get a miracle, she confessed how it came to pass. Uh, and, and so look at this. The Bible says, here she is, um, Mark 5, 25, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Why? Why did she do that? The Bible tells us why. For she said, verse 28, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of her disease. Isn't it interesting? Look at Jesus' ministry. The majority of the time that he's healing people, he's either speaking, he's laying his hands upon, right? He's doing it in a different method. There's outliers, you know, spitting in the dirt, making mud. You know, there's outliers, but the majority of Jesus' healing ministry, he's speaking, he's laying his hands upon people, they're being made whole. But notice, she came up with her own method. And by, by her own confession, she said, for she said, if I touch even the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Her and notice Jesus, who touched me. The disciples said, what do you mean? Look at everybody thronging you. And you say, who touched you? And she came and fell down before him and told him the truth. And notice it, verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith woo, has made you well. Go in peace, be healed of your disease. Notice what he said. Your faith. The, the powerful thing about this story is that Jesus didn't even know she was there. 
That's the powerful thing. Jesus didn't even know she was there. She penciled herself in on Jesus' healing schedule, and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, and he didn't even know who touched him, but it was her own confession. Notice, he says, though, your faith has made you whole. So how did Jesus qualify her faith? What was her faith? It's not just what she had inside of her. She did two things that released her faith. What were they? She said, that's the first thing. She spoke something that she believed and that released her faith. But what was number two? And she went and did. She touched. She didn't just talk about it. She did it. She touched. She acted. She spoke and she acted. That's how you release faith. You don't just take faith in and have faith built by the reading of God's word, by the preaching and hearing of God's word. No, no, no. That's how you receive it into your spirit. But how do you release it? It's not enough. And I I do want you to put this in the comments for me. It's not enough to receive faith. You have to release faith. Please put that in the comments for me. It's not enough to receive faith. You have to release faith. Amen. It's not enough to receive faith. You have to release faith. How do you release faith? By speaking and acting. By speaking and acting. It's not enough to receive faith. You have to release faith. And when you release faith, that's when the breakthroughs come. That's when the power of God begins to move. By releasing your faith. You release your faith by speaking and by acting. And they'll tell you today, you get on there, all these heresy hunters on YouTube, all these people that are, uh, you know, all bent out of shape about, that's heresy, that's heretical doctrine, that's a cult, you know, all that. No, Jesus taught it. Jesus did it. The apostles used the power of their words. The early church understood this. This is how Jesus... You know, and it's interesting, isn't it? Jesus, the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these, because I'm going to be with my Father. What does that mean? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And and you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. And so the same works Jesus did, we're empowered to do. Don't forget, we're created in the likeness and in the image of God. God's restoring us by salvation to a place not just of right standing, but then he gave us the Holy Spirit so that we stand in a place of power to do the works of Jesus Christ. We release our faith by speaking and by acting. By speaking. It's not enough to just, you know, I, I believe it. You know, yeah, well, if you believe it, start talking like you believe it. Don't say what everybody else is saying. Don't talk like the rest of the world's talking. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just hoping this, uh, I'm just hoping this thing uh, works out. And you know, I'm just, I'm just hoping we get a good president in the next election. I'm, I'm just, and that's, and people start talking like that. You know, I just hope this will happen. And it's not about hope. Faith is not hope. They're not the same thing. Faith is different than hope. And I, I'm not hoping things go well. I believe what God's word says over me, over you, over our families, and I'm speaking it. And what else? I'm acting upon it. I'm speaking it and I'm acting upon it. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. And so that's, that's, that's the key. I'm not just, now you're receiving faith on this broadcast right now. You're either watching me live or on the replay or you're listening to me on the podcast, but you're receiving faith as I'm teaching the word of God right now. Faith to speak over your family, speak over your body, speak over your finances, speak over your business, speak over your relationships. You're receiving faith, but it's not just enough to listen to me teach and preach and receive faith. You got to release faith. We have to all change the way we speak. We have to change the way we act. I learned my lesson a long time ago and I made my mind up. I'm not going to let fear drive me. I'm not going to let fear uh, guide my decision-making process. I was in Bible school when this happened to me and I made up my mind on that day. Never again in Jesus' name. Never again. The Twin Towers had just fallen. It was September 11th of 2001. And um, I was leaving school and my phone was blowing up and all these people were checking to see how things were going, if I was okay and, you know, all this stuff. And then there was this, there was this rumor, you know, we better, you better get gas because there's going to be a shortage on gas and nobody's going to be able to get gas. And, you know, if you stopped and thought about it, you start to wonder, why would two buildings falling in New York uh, affect the availability of gas in Oklahoma? It doesn't even make logical sense. But... I mean, you start hearing it from everybody. You better hurry up and get gas. Well, apparently, I wasn't the only person that heard that. I'm driving back to my apartment after school, and there's all these uh, gas stations. And I mean, cars are down the street trying to turn in to get gas. Huge lines at the gas pump. Huge lines. So I pull my car in, and I'm just waiting. I'm in the line, praying, oh, Lord, let there be enough gas for me. And, you know, I'm just... uh, operating out of fear with everybody else. Well, the gas stations aren't stupid. They can see the demand has gone through the roof. And so uh, this will blow your mind, but this, we're talking 2001, where in, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, gas was 98 and 99 cents a gallon for gas. I mean, that's insane. 98, 99 cents a gallon. I go, get in line, and I look at the board, you know, where they have the prices, They've already jacked it up to four and five dollars, depending on what type of gas you got. Four and five dollars, five hundred percent increase in one day, and I'm just freaking out. Oh Lord, oh Lord, let me get gas. Let there be enough gas left for me. I mean, there's a huge line in front of me, and I get up to the front, and I jump out. I'm just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. There's gas for me, and I'm pumping it in my car, and you know, just pouring my money out. You know, five dollars a gallon into my car, whatever. And then just going home feeling like I'm, oh my God, he worked a miracle for me. And then I get up the next day and I drive out of my apartment complex to go back to school, past the same gas station, because it was at the end of my road, and look at the prices and it was back down to 99 cents a gallon. I was so angry, so angry, that I had been moved by fear to take action based on fear. So angry that I made a vow to God on that day. I will never again make decisions based on fear. I refuse to make decisions based on fear. I will not do it. I will not do it. In fact, you know, when I, uh, I'm talking about letting faith guide your life. Let faith guide how you speak. Let faith guide how you act. And um, I remember when God spoke to us to move here to Florida and we had to make the decision because we owned a house in Virginia. And of course, you remember, after the housing crash of 2008, 
you know, the, the housing market was in a huge dip for a while. And it, it especially affected where I lived because I can remember on my street, there were like five or six houses that had um, become foreclosures. People couldn't pay their mortgages. And of course that affects your, your comps all through your neighborhood and affected the value of my home. And I'd been in there for a while and um, <clears throat> I had to make a decision because we're moving to Florida. And uh, of course your natural mind starts thinking like, I gotta get a house in Florida. I don't wanna keep this house. I don't wanna be responsible with two mortgages and what, I don't wanna get hung out to dry and you know, all this stuff. But then I, you know, I, I look at it and it's like, man, if I sell out now, because of the way the housing market had been, even though I'd been in the house for a little bit, I looked at the deal, if I'd have sold my house just to get out from under it, after all the years of living in it, I still would have just broken even, broken even because of the way that the housing market was. I had to make up my mind. Am I gonna, how, how am I gonna look at this? And I'm sitting there and thinking, and I, and I didn't feel, I didn't feel to sell the house. Now, in the flesh, the, the, the flesh is like, you better get out from under this. You're gonna have to go get another place. You don't wanna carry this place and all this. And I said, you know what? I don't know, uh, but I'm not doing it. I'm not selling it. And so I decided I'm just gonna put, uh, you know, a renter in here or whatever and, um, and assume the risk and, and whatever. Got out of there, came down. Well, then you saw what happened over these last few years. And instead of selling it under fear and breaking even, you saw the economy and the housing market over the last couple of years booming and prices going through the roof, right? Prices going through the roof. And all of a sudden now, because I did not operate in fear, I operated in faith, my house in Virginia went through the roof with the rest of the houses across different parts of America. And now you sell it now, and instead of operating in fear, selling it and breaking even, almost like I was renting an apartment for all those years instead of owning a home, now staying in faith and waiting and doing what the Lord told me to do, boom, the blessing hits, and then uh, everything you're believing it comes to pass. And you see the differences between operating in fear, operating in faith. Fear leads to torment and destruction. Faith leads to increase and blessing. And so you begin to declare, I'm not going to go by what it looks like. I'm not going to make decisions based on fear. I'm not going to make decisions uh, that, that don't take God's word and his power into account. I'm going to do what I know is faith. Hallelujah. I'm going to do what I know is faith in Jesus name. And so uh, you start to realize faith is released by speaking and acting, speaking and acting. And I'm just, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you this because I have felt in my spirit uh, that this is a time right now, as we're coming into the final part of the first quarter of 2023, there are many people right now that are making decisions, that are having to make decisions, and the enemy's trying to make you feel like it's impossible. Things aren't working. You, you know, you, you start to look at it and you say, oh, I don't know. I just don't know how it's going to work out. No, build your faith. Don't listen to morning shows. Don't listen to all this, the news and all this stuff. Listen to the word of God preached and taught. Fill yourself with the word. And then, and then watch this now. Speak and act by faith. Don't allow fear to guide your decisions. There are so many people. When, when our pastor gave the word for the year in, in uh, New Year's Eve, one, one of the things that he spoke was that the first quarter of the year, and we're coming to, to the end of March very quickly, the first quarter of the year is going to be a quarter in which we must get into position for God to bless us and use us and 
We need to be in position by the first quarter. Well, let me tell you, I didn't know how quickly things were going to come to pass with, um, you know, the launch of Miracle Word Church. We announced it in October, but we just weren't able to find things and all of that. And it was looking like we weren't going to be able to maybe start the church till the summer or even the fall. But uh, after my father called and said, get that convention center, I'm going to hold some, some meetings there. And I said, you know what, instead of waiting, if this is available, let's just, let's just go ahead and launch the week right after. And of course, tonight's the first night of those revival services at the, at the convention center. But let me tell you, <clears throat> next week, next Sunday, not this coming Sunday, but the 26th, we made up our mind. We're going to do what the word of the Lord for the year is, and that is just get in position. Just get in position. You've got to be in position for God to bless you. So we made up our mind. We're not going to wait. We're not going to just sit around and, and, and say, well, I'll just see what happens. We'll just see what happens in the middle of the year, the end of the year. No, we're going to obey the word of the Lord, and that is get in position. And so before, and, and look how it works. Look how it works out. So now, just like the word of the Lord came to us, on the uh, 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 New Year's Eve service, uh, first quarter of the year is the quarter to get in position. Now look, we're launching uh, uh, the church on the 26th of March before the first quarter comes to an end. And so now we will be established, we will be a church, and the first quarter hasn't even come to an end, but we're putting ourselves in position for God to bless and use us, and we're getting ready to move into the other three quarters of this year where the blessing's gonna flow like we've never seen. Souls are going to be saved. People are going to be changed by the power of God. We're moving forward. Hallelujah. And we're not just saying, well, I got faith. No, we're releasing our faith by speaking and by action. Hallelujah. By speaking and by action. Amen. Amen. Yes, Vicki, it will. By speaking and by action. And so let me pray for you today, because I know there's a ton of people watching live, watching on the replay. And if you are watching on the replay, let us know in the comments, hashtag replay tribe. Maybe you're you're listening on the podcast. Let me pray for those of you that are uh, watching and listening, because whether you're facing something or not, it's time to start speaking and acting like never before. I'm talking full out faith. I'm not going to let the spirit of this world define what I believe, what I say, what I do. It's not going to define me and my family. No, we're stepping forward by faith. So Father, I pray now for every person watching and those listening, I pray a new faith would be stirred up in their spirit by the power of the Holy Ghost and give us boldness to speak the word and to speak by faith. As the apostles said, we believe, therefore we speak in Jesus' name. And Lord, we'll be like the woman who didn't just speak, she took action on what she said. If I may just touch the hem of his garment, she took action on what she believed to be true and the miracle came. So Lord, let miracles come for your precious people right now. Let them come to pass quickly and let us be in position before this first quarter of the year comes to an end in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for that. And we praise you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.